We're uh, in the book of Hebrews, if you'd like to join us there this morning. We've been studying this book a bit. This is our 23rd study. And we're in the book, we're in the chapter 3 right now. We spent much time in a verse here and a verse there, and we've covered other verses in, in groups. This morning I want to look at verses 6 through 14. But before we do that, before we look at those verses in, in Hebrews chapter 3, allow me to read for you from 2 Corinthians 13, 5. And this is going to be, for those of you who are able to join us in the next service, in the main service, this is going to be our theme right all the way through. You know, I'll repeat this but in the next message, but 99% of the messages I have for you are messages for me first. All I can do as a man is stand before you and share with you my weaknesses, the strengths that we have, and those strengths that we have are only in our Savior. I, I, I never want to encourage you to think that you have any strength in yourself. And if you're a child of God, you know that. You already know that. I'm not telling you anything new. And you also know that we are weak in our flesh, aren't we? We are weak in our faith, in our belief. We believe God. We just don't know at times if those things of God actually apply to us. That's a battle that we have to fight until the day the Lord takes us out of this world. In 2 Corinthians 13.5, we read these words. And I'll read it for you. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Examine yourselves. I, I, I cannot help but think of, these, of this. You know, we're, we're studying the book of Luke. We've been doing a series of messages through the book of Luke. And I've been, I've been stopped up on, on the, the, the parable of the sower. And I was thinking about this this morning. And this may open the door for me to continue in Luke next week. I don't know. I just have. I just. All I know is that this morning, I after stumbling through this, I, I sit down. I read the parable of the sower. And, okay, I just the Lord's just not seeing. I just don't see anything where the Lord's leading me here. Something popped up this morning that just caught my uh, my attention. In the parable of the sower, we see the different seeds, don't we? What is there? Five different kinds of seeds. Some fell on the wayside, there's one. Some trodden down and fowls of the year devoured it. Some fell on a rock, there's two. And sprung up and withered away, lacked moisture. Some fell on thorns, there's three. And others fell on good ground. So we see four different kinds of seed here, don't we? Out of those four seeds, three are a waste of time. And one is good. I know the Lord breaks it down in three different ways, but all three of those first seeds that he mentions are seeds that are wasted away. They're worthless. They're not worth anything. There's only one good seed. Am I of that good seed? Has the Lord planted a good seed in me? Has he tilled the ground? Has he given a new heart unto me? It, I, I bring that up because... 
it's interesting how the Lord warns us of these different seeds and tells us there's only one good seed. There's only one gospel, folks. And that's in His Son, the Lord Jesus. There is no other way to be with Him. Am I in that way? You folks here with me have seen you have seen those who have come and gone. You have seen those who have come and were sure that they were our brother in Christ, weren't we? They even got before us and preached the gospel. I listened. There wasn't anything wrong. There was nothing wrong with the preaching was there, but the seed didn't bring forth fruit, did it? I wonder at times. This, this instruction that Paul has given to Corinth is not a one-time thing. It's not examine yourselves and say, okay, I'm saved, everything's fine, that's it, I'm done. No. It's the ones who fight the good fight. Am I in the faith? God's Word is telling us these things, folks. I've been accused of using belief as a, as a, as a, 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 a whipping stick on people. As though I, I use it, if you don't believe, you know, if your faith is, is weak, I've been told that, you know, those of you who are getting up there in the years, that, that what, a, what a desperate thing for you to hear me stand before you and say, I don't know if my faith is, is, is in the right place. I don't. How I'm using that to scare you into something to look to other than the Lord Jesus himself. And I've never done that. In fact, just the opposite. You're to look to Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. Never trust what you think is your faith. Faith does not save you, but you will not be saved without it. John 3.16, whosoever believeth, Whosoever calleth, how are you going to call if you don't believe? Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except, except you be reprobates? John Gill wrote this. He wrote this about this continuance, continuous observance of our inner being. He says, the Apostle Paul directs the saints at Corinth to self-examination, to look within themselves, to try to prove and to recognize their own souls. Where if things were right, they would find a proof of Christ speaking in him to them. He advises them to examine the state of their own souls and to see whether they were in faith, either in the doctrine of faith having a spiritual and experimental, meaning uh, 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 experience, knowledge of faith, a true love and affection for it, and hearty belief of it, having felt the power of it upon their own souls, and they abide in it forever. This is a warning given to the people of God over and over and over in God's word, folks. Over and over and over again, the Lord warns us to examine ourselves. Are we in the faith? Look how many people 
followed Moses for 40 years through the desert. 40 years they followed Moses step in step, listening to the gospel. Moses preached the gospel, we know that. Yeah. Starting at Moses and all the prophets, the Lord expounded unto the, those two men on the road to Emmaus the things of himself. We know that Moses preached the gospel. In 40 years, how many were allowed to go into the promised land? How many died in the wilderness because of no faith? Our Lord gives us a warning over and over again. He says, stand fast. Harden not your heart. Let us never forget that this holy writ, this book we call the Bible, these holy scriptures that we hold in our own hand here, is written for our good. It's not written to warn the world. It's written to warn God's people. This is a letter to us. We know that if it wasn't for the grace of God giving us a heart to believe, we would go about as the world does, and it would mean nothing to us. This book is for, written for our good, for our admonition, our learning. And only those for whom he is loved with an everlasting love are given life, given ears to hear. The world is dead and they will not hear. It may seem that some hear, but as we see in the parable of the sower, not all ground is good ground. In our text in Hebrews, the, the writer is doing the same thing reminding us that not all are of the faith. Look with me at Romans, I mean Hebrews chapter 3, beginning at verse 6. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. That's talking about those in the wilderness that I just spoke of a moment ago. Verse 9, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, they challenged him, and they saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Verse 11, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That's almost the exact same words there, isn't it? Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own self. Let's go on. Verse 13, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation for some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt. By Moses. Moses and Aaron preached the truth. Men and women walked with them for 40 years. Then, when they could see the land across the Jordan, their true spirit was revealed. 
Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you? We know that all true believers are eternally saved. There's no question for that. Not one of God's elect shall ever perish. Not one true believer will ever cease to believe. No true follower of Christ will ever cease to follow him. We read in Ecclesiastes 3.14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. God doeth it that men should fear him. That men should before, fear before him. And then over in John chapter 10, we read these words. He, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And then we also read in John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. So we know that God's people cannot be lost. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about those who come so close to faith. Am I one who comes so close to knowing the truth of God and then fall away? Folks, I don't know about you, but i got to get up every day and beg for mercy. Me too. I have to get up every day and beg for mercy. How could God love anything like me? Have you ever said that? Have you ever felt that way? I feel that way every day I get out of bed. You don't understand the feeling of a man who's so unworthy to be used of God to speak in the pulpit of this church. If you feel that way, you're not alone. You're not alone. It's a tough place to be, but it's a good place to be. Because the opposite of that is to say, okay, there's some little bit of righteousness in me now. I would rather see myself as unworthy of anything of my God than to think I'm worthy of anything. Am I in the faith? question is, is, do I believe God? Do I truly believe his word that there's nothing in this flesh worthy of anything but all I need is in my Savior? His Son. Do I believe that? Well, there's nothing in this flesh before you that can put any, I can put any confidence in, so I've got to put confidence in something. It's in him. It's in his promises. But I get up. Lord, don't pass me by. While you're calling on others, call on me too today. And tomorrow. And the next day. Our Lord warns us over and over again that not all faith is true faith. All that glitters is not gold. All who profess faith do not have real faith, and I'm compelled to constantly examine myself. And in faithfulness to you, 
I encourage you to do the same. I must warn you that there is such things as false faith in the world. And multitudes, multitudes of people are going to go through that door, mark death in that condition. Only by God's grace will I go through that door any other way but that. Only by His grace will I continue to the end. Many people have temporary faith which seems to all outward appearance real, but in the end they're found among the damned. Turn over to Matthew chapter 13. Hear ye the parable of the sower. Verse 18. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy and receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by, by and by he is offended. He also that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and care for his world and the deceitfulness of riches and, the, and choke out the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some hundredfold and some sixty, some thirty. Nothing, folks, is more dangerous than false faith which produces carnal presumptuous security. Truth and peace is most blessed, but false peace is most deadly of all. Mike wrote a poem about darkness. How dark is your darkness? How dark is your light? Something to that effect. Wonderful statement. Wonderful warning about those who trust in a light that is nothing but darkness. Let's be perfectly clear, folks. The Word of God clearly teaches the eternal security of God's elect and the final perseverance of the saints in Christ Jesus. True believers shall never cease to be true believers, but I do not know, nor can any man know, how near a person may come to the character of true believer and yet perish. We've seen those who've preached the word of truth and then left it behind ourselves, have we not? I take warnings from Holy Scripture seriously, do you not? Let's look at a couple with me, if you would. Turn over to John chapter 15. We won't be much longer here. Turn over to John chapter 15. I just want to read a couple of verses there. In John chapter 15, we read beginning at verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, he prunes it, that it may bring much forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. 
Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and, a men, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Let's look at another one, shall we? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And I've actually got a bunch here, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to look at... Uh, Hebrews 6, beginning at verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open fire. So we see here these warnings of God over and over and over and over again. And I've got several others if you'd like, I'll be happy to give them to you. We know that many who once appeared strong in the faith, who have in the end left that faith. Therefore we are compelled to be honest, sincere, and diligent to make our calling of election clear. Listen to the words of 1 Corinthians 9.27, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. Let us consider these things seriously. Let us consider where our faith lies. Is it in this flesh? Is it in your thoughts? Is it in your deeds? Or is it in our faith? Or is it in him and his word alone? My confidence in any way supported by my doings, by my thoughts, by my understandings, or is my confidence in Him and Him alone? Are we truly born of God? Are we truly believers? Do we have the faith of God's elect? Or are we simply deceiving ourselves with carnal security? Now, I would do nothing to shake the true assurance that a child of God may have, but if somehow you are delivered... If, if somehow you are deceived, if somehow I am deceived, I pray that God will make us to know it and cause us to seek the faith of his elect. I am certain of this, that a man is much more likely to seek God's salvation who knows that he is naked, who knows that he is poor, who knows that he is miserable, than a man who says, I am rich and increased with goods. Too many people think that I have the true faith. I've been going to the sovereign churches for 35 years. I've been, I've been preaching in the sovereign grace church for five years, one could say. Yet today, he has nothing to do with it at all. I've shared this with you, uh, a man who attended this church for many years. I worked with him. Some of you may remember Bob Slama. Bob Slama. You know, he doesn't go to church at all anymore. He still professes everything, but he doesn't go to church at all anymore. 
anywhere. I can't imagine a person who has tasted the grace of God and saving them from their sins not wanting to go to a church somewhere. I just can't imagine that. Can't imagine that. Don Fortner wrote this. He says, there is a difference between faith and assurance. Some may say, if you doubt, you're damned. Others may tell you, if you don't doubt, you're damned. Don says, for my own part, I would rather go to heaven doubting the sincerity and the truthfulness of my own heart, of my own faith in Christ, and go to hell presuming it. The thing to be examined is not what I love, or is not, is not what I have experienced, or what I have done, or what I feel, or how I live. The issue is this, whether you are in the faith. That's what it says, to examine yourself, whether you're in the faith. The belief. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. The one issue to be determined is this, Do I or do I not trust Christ alone for my acceptance with God? Do I trust Christ's blood alone to atone for my sins? Or am I trying to atone for my own sins by being religious? Do I trust Christ's obedience alone for my righteousness before God? Or am I yet trying to establish a righteousness of my own? See how much better I am today than I was before God called me? You understand what I'm saying, folks? I agree with Don. I would rather see myself weak in the faith than sit there and think, Oh, my faith is strong today. Do I trust Christ's obedience alone for my righteousness before God or am I trying to establish a righteousness of my own if Christ is not all in all as the solitary object of our faith as the solitary object of our trust then we are not yet in the faith amen